Seven game point streak now. Just rolling. Four oh and three. Seven. What's going on with this team? Um, yeah, I don't know. We're uh the break was obviously good for us. You know, we had a crazy schedule and the guys were pretty run down. So yeah. um, I think, you know, we got a good burst of energy there um, over the break. And um, I don't know, I'm sure GM's not too happy about it. <laughs> okay, so that's Clayton Keller. Now, I like Clayton Keller for a lot of different reasons. One, I'm happy that Clayton Keller is healthy. And that was very much in, in doubt this offseason. How healthy was he going to be for this season? Uh, two, um, I think he's an excellent hockey player. And because he plays in Arizona, we don't tend to talk about Clayton Keller uh, a whole ton. And he's been highly sought after by a number of teams for a number of years, even going back to his draft year. You know, I can recall all the chatter on the floor. Uh, that would have been the Austin Matthews draft, the Buffalo draft, about how the New York Rangers are trying to get up into the first round. They had a deal done, or they had a deal. I shouldn't say done. They were talking to the Edmonton Oilers about a deal um, that would have included, I believe, players like Ryan McDonough and maybe even Chris Kreider as well uh, in order to get that uh, that pick, which was fourth overall. Um, they ended up taking Jesse Pugliarvi as Columbus went with Pierre-Luc Dubois and the deal was off, but they wanted Clayton Keller and were prepared to take Clayton Keller at fourth overall. I'm going to guess that if Clayton Keller were a New York Ranger right now and not an Arizona Coyote player, we'd be talking a lot more about Clayton Keller. So Clayton Keller last night, and you heard that clip. I'm sure the GM's not too thrilled about us piling up all these points. Ha, ha, ha. A couple of things. One, uh, he was the, uh, the uh, scored the shootout winner last night as the Arizona Coyotes knocked off the Tampa Bay Lightning. Not sure if you had a chance to watch this one, but it was intriguing. It was fascinating, and it was the Connor Ingram show. Connor Ingram came out there and made 47 saves. I mean, I, you look up like halfway through the, the second period and the shots are 30-10 for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And they're just firing bullets from everywhere at Connor Ingram and he's stopping all of them. It was a command performance, one of the best performances we've seen out of any netminder this, this season, period. And Clayton Keller salts it away, ices it for the Arizona Coyotes uh, in the shootout. But the one thing I really do think we have to look at Clayton Keller and say is, sir, I don't know why you would say that about the general manager of the Arizona Coyotes when Gary Bettman, NHL commissioner, made it perfectly obvious to everyone that nobody tanks in the NHL. How dare you say that about Bill Armstrong? Don't you know? Didn't you get the memo? Nobody tanks in the NHL. They just don't do that because there's a lottery or something. Speaking of general managers, Ottawa Senators General Manager Pierre Dorian addressed the media this morning and addressed a couple of different rumors. Let's have a listen to a collage. Right now, probably everyone is wondering, are we a buyer or are we seller? For us, let's see where these next seven games take us. I think we have to pretty much decide. We have a plan in place if we're going to be a buyer, if we're going to be a seller. We might be just standing pat also. You know, we we made a lot of moves in the summer to prepare to play meaningful games. Uh, For us, what's important is we have to make a decision probably by the before the Ranger game because we feel right now what's going on around the league is everyone's feeling each other out. 
you haven't seen many trades. You've seen maybe one. Uh, but you haven't seen many trades right now, and I think everyone's just trying to figure out where everyone is. And, you know, we have plans in place for whatever situation we could do. But we could be a buyer at certain positions, a seller at certain positions. So there's a lot of, right now, there's a lot of balls in play, which as a GM, this is the most fun time of the year for a GM. There's no doubt about that. People think that you get calls about certain players and you never get a call. Uh, so uh, when it comes to any potential UFA or any player that possibly has been talked to about being moved, um, you know, someone wants to have him. Uh, on that point, I will say Alex Dubrincat's not being traded. No chance. So we'll just see what it goes at the end of the year. But um, And if we've signed a contract with him before then, we'll see what happens. But he's not getting traded. One thing I can tell you is Travis is an, a really good leader. I, no matter, I think he's no matter what anyone says, I will tell you he's helped Jake Sanderson's transition to the NHL. Having a steady partner, having someone that talks to you, having someone that's gone to war. So, do I see a future for sure? Uh, you know, he's probably someone that we're not going to move at the trade deadline, uh, and we want him here. And we'll see at the end of the season where this path takes us. Derek Broussard will play his 1,000 game with the centers. That uh, unless unless there's a trade that shocks us, um, I would put it 99.9 percent. Okay, so a couple of things there. One, no surprise about the Alex DeBrinket um, situation. Elliot reported on that. I think it was it was this most recent Saturday or, or the or the Saturday before that. It looks as if they're going to wait till new ownership takes over before they make big decisions like what to do with Alex DeBrinket. Uh, we'll talk to Elliot about Ottawa here in a couple of moments. Uh, the Ranger game that Pierre Dorian is talking about. Uh, the game where all the decisions hinge. I shouldn't say all the decisions. I think a lot of them are made, at least publicly. A lot of the decisions uh, hinge. Uh, that game is in March. That is one day before the trade deadline. That is March the 2nd. Uh, to the idea of we don't know whether we're buyers or whether we're sellers or whether we're going to stand pats. I get that you have to say that. But I don't think that Andrew Hammond is walking through that door any day now. And they're either going to be sellers or they're going to stand pats. Uh, they're playing Friday against the Blackhawks. Then they have the four-game week next week, the Blues, the Bruins, the Hurricanes, and the Habs, and then a pair against Detroit. And then we get into March. We'll see what happens with the Ottawa Senators. In the meantime, let's get the show started. Elliot on the other side from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Good afternoon. Good morning, depending on where you are. Welcome to the Merrick Show. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Going to talk to Karela Mard as well in hour two coming up. Uh, Cortex Director of Women's Hockey. Uh, she's leading that division. Talking to Kevin Woodley as well from InGoal Magazine and NHL.com. And we'll pick up on a conversation we had uh, on the program here yesterday. Most notably, who should vote on the Vesna? Now, Brian Burke always makes the point that it shouldn't be the manager's. And in a, uh, in a in a case of self-reflection here for Berkey, he says, look, it shouldn't be us because we mess up regularly on who the best goaltenders are. Just have a look at the draft. Uh, so Kevin Woodley will pick up that conversation coming up in hour two. Colby Armstrong is going to stop by. Uh, Penguins analyst, former NHL forward, works with us here at Sportsnet as well. Uh, and his son is in the Quebec PB tournament. So we'll talk about the Penguins. And yes, we're going to talk about the Quebec PB tournaments uh, and some of the uh, historical performances that we've seen there. 
um, over the years, that legendary, legendary tournament. In the meantime, uh, you read him uh, at sportsnet.ca. You can listen to him on the podcast, listen to him here, watch him on Hockey Night in Canada. He is Elliot Friedman, and he usually kicks off the program, and he does so again today. Hello, Fridge. Hello, Jeff. Uh, okay, before we get to Pierre Dorian's comments here, uh, a sad note in the hockey world. Paul Girard passes away at the age of 57. Uh, we would recognize Paul from his work, at, certainly in the NHL, with the Avalanche, um, with the Calgary Flames as well, with the Dallas Stars. Um, he was working as an assistant coach with the Omaha Mavericks at the time of his passing. He passes away at the age of 57. Um, I had a couple of different uh, meetings with, with Mr. Gerard, uh, one on the air, one off of it. Uh, a really impressive human being, like outside of being a really good coach, just an impressive human being. Elliot, your thoughts on, on Paul Gerard? I always use the word uh, regal to describe him. As a matter of fact, I was thinking I saw him I think it was last March or April, um, I went down to Florida for, to do a, a talk at a coaching convention, and uh, he, he was there. And, um, you know, the, the thing I always laughed about with him is he was one of those people who, when he, he fell out of bed and looked good, like his clothes were always immaculately pressed, he, he looked really good, and I looked like, like a laundromat, really. So, uh, you know, he's just one of those people that when you, when, when you saw him, he, uh, his, his appearance kind of reminded me of like regal, dignified, and he was really good to talk hockey yeah. with. And, you know, one of the things that he talked about in one of my conversations with him, I, I think it's a great piece of advice for anybody who's looking to break into any industry. He talked about the importance of networking about how important it was to just go up to somebody, say hello and introduce yourself and tell them who you were. And I have not yeah. at times in my life been a very good networker. I wasn't always confident doing it. And I know there's a lot of other people out there listening to this who would say they're probably not very confident about doing it. But he would say you have to, you have to, you have to find a way and you have to be the kind of person that goes up and, lets other people know you're out there. And I always remember uh, that conversation with him. Mm. Yeah, you know, his, uh, his, his, his story is a great one. It's one of, you know, perseverance and hard work um, from an immigrant family in, in Winnipeg. And to your point, worked his way up, you know, the, uh, the, the old-fashioned way, the hard way. Like he was, to, to me, he was the example of someone who realized that there's no... How do I say this? There's no elevator to success. You have to take the stairs. And mm-hmm. Paul Gerard, you know, very much took the stairs right from the bottom, you know, all the way up to the National Hockey League. And from everyone here, we offer our, our, our thoughts and our condolences um, to, the, to the family and the friends of the late Paul Gerard. Um, Pierre Dorian spoke this morning, general manager of the Ottawa Senators. Uh, amongst the things that he spoke about, um, and you've reported on this as well, there will be no trade for Alex DeBrinkett. Sounds like that decision uh, will get made uh, later into the uh, uh, later into the summer. Um, in a moment where I think a lot of people looked at Dorian sideways, they said they haven't made up their minds whether they're buyers or sellers or will stand pat. To which I say I don't think the hamburger is walking through that door anytime soon. Um, Although I look at the your, last your, thought, your thoughts. I know, I get it. I know, and, and like, you can rip so off a few. But we, 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 games. Yeah, it's stolen games for it them. It would be it would 
It would be wonderful if uh, if if Sogard and Mandalese turned into the modern day Hamburglar. No one yeah. would like it more than myself, but that's my heart talking, and my head tells me something else. Um, your thoughts on what Pierre Dorian talked about, whether it's the Brinket, whether it's Hamannick, um, whether it's uh, we don't know whether we're buyers or sellers. And I do want to get to Rudy Brady speaking of sellers or buyers in a couple of seconds here. But just your thoughts on some of the hockey things that Dorian spoke about this morning. Well, as you said, not surprised on Dabrinkit. I heard it was heading in that direction anyway. I think the bigger question about Dabrinkit is going to be the draft. And and if the if the Sanders have no clarity there, there's no extension there, or they're not trending in the direction of that one, then I think Dabrinkit, the Dabrinkit conversation will be a big one at the draft. And we'll find out if that's going to be Flip City. Um, you know, um, the he also said that they're probably not going to trade Hamannick. Um, you know, I, I wonder if they had some understanding there. Um, you know, uh, as we know, and I, I don't like to poke into these too much, but, uh, you know, Hamannick has always, has, has in the last few years, has always indicated there's limited places that uh, he would like to go for family reasons. So I, I yeah. wonder if that's a factor there. Um, you know, he also said that Derek Broussard, who's getting close to his 1,000th game, barring a major change, will play it in Ottawa. So, uh, you know, I always think about, you mentioned Brian Burke. I always think about Brian Burke when he traded Brad May from Toronto to, I think, Detroit. He would not trade him unless, I, I think it was the Red Wings or whoever it was, agreed that May would pay play his 1,000th game. Like, he was getting close, yeah. and he said that has to be a condition of the deal. So, I, I think about that one. You know, the whole point about are we buyers or are we sellers, <laughs> I, I think that's a mentality thing and a message to the fans. Like, the, like, look, like I heard what you said, and I think most people would kind of agree with you, Jeff. But what I think that is, he doesn't want his players to give up. That's number one. And number two, yeah. I think he just doesn't want to say, hey, there's no reason to buy a ticket to a game. So I think that's why he, he says what he does. Um, you know, I think I, I look, I, I think Talbot, uh, Holden, who I saw went on to IR today, like the, the UFAs will probably be out there. Some of those other guys, you know, we'll see where that goes. I, I think the senators have made a decision that they will not extend Cam Talbot. So that makes it more likely he's going to trade, be traded, but he's got to play. So I, I wasn't hugely surprised by anything that Pierre Dorian said today. Mm-hmm. You know, anything that uh, we hear out of Ottawa always carries with it, you know, it, it sort of exists under an umbrella of the impending sale. And you wrote in your most recent piece uh, about Rudy Brady and Ryan Reynolds and that association. And we know, you know, Remington and their interest uh, more so in the real estate, perhaps, than the team as well. And that's why Ryan Reynolds is there as the, the front man, the hype man, the excitement around the team kind of guy. Um, just your thoughts on, on Remington, on Rudy Brady. You know, we'd heard you know, about a, a number of different parties that were interested but uh, I'll be blunt, like the Brady family, Remington, like they swing a big bat. Like this they is, do. these are really, these are really serious people, Elliot. Well, they are really serious people. And, uh, you know, my father used to be in the development business. And I remember him telling me stories about Rudy Brady and how, what a powerful and uh, figure he was. And I think anybody who's in, uh, well, you know, he still is like he's, He's not involved anymore, but 
just what a powerful figure yeah. he was at the time. And anybody who's who's done this business in the, for the last, you know, 40 or 50 years, whatever it is, like they know who he is. And I agree, they're not to be underestimated. I think the thing here is, though, is that there have been two previous situations at minimum where uh, the Braddy family and the Remington group have been around hockey. And number one was the the aborted rink at uh, in Markham in 2013. That city, like I think, city council was going to agree to do that, and then the public was like, "We'll remember this at election time," and it fell apart. And the second time was the Coyotes at some point, and like that one was going somewhere. Right? There was a time where people thought that Remington was going to buy the Coyotes, <laughs> and then what happened was. They didn't like the look of the real estate. Like they just didn't think they'd be able to uh, capitalize it as, mu- on it as much as they hoped. The area around the arena, development, things like that, and they left. And I-, I just know from conversations the past couple of days that what that signals, what Remington groups, and, and I agree with you, Jeff, they are not to be underestimated, but what that has reminded people of is are they there for the development and the arena or are they there for the team? Like they, like the one thing that they want is after everything the senators have been through the last few years, they want to make sure that whoever owns this team, yes, they understand you want to make money. You want to build an arena. You, you want to pay for it as little as possible. You want to make money around all the rank. Everybody gets that, but they want to make sure you care about the team too. And I think if there's going to be a question to the Remington group, it's going to be that because of their history. Now, that's why I think they went out and they got Reynolds. Um, You know, I think it was a very, very sharp move on their part. It's going to make them a popular pick locally because people are infatuated with Ryan Reynolds now for a very good reason. Um, It is interesting because... I I like I would love to know. I'll probably never know. I'd love to know what the deal is because I'm because I think some of the other groups believe that they offered Reynolds something that those other groups weren't willing to do. Like in terms of what it would take for him to get in. So this whole thing just became mm-hmm. even more fascinating. Well, to, to me, what I, I wonder as well, and you and I have talked about this. Whenever there's someone like Ryan Reynolds uh, attached to a group, sometimes. Um, people with celebrity status make the assumption that I'm lending value and credibility and something exceptional to a bid, so I shouldn't have skin in the game. I don't know if that's part of this deal. Um, You've mentioned a few times that that really doesn't work for a lot of no. groups that if you're going to be, you know, if you're going to be in, you better be in and, yeah. you know, your, uh, your, your wallet, your wallet better not have cobwebs on it. Like you're opening this thing up uh, and, you, and you're putting in at least a couple of bucks here. I, I'm really curious about that as well. If this is a situation where, you know, Remington looks at it and says, we're interested in the real estate, but we need Ryan Reynolds because we need to show publicly that we're also interested in the team and this partnership can cover off both. And this way we're sort of, I don't know, Fridge, how do you say it? Buttering the bread on both sides, if you catch my oh, yeah. drift? Yeah, I, I do. And I, and I think you're probably right. I think, the, 
I think the other thing we don't have an answer to yet is, does this mean Reynolds is definitively out if they don't get the team? I don't know that. Like the thing That's is, what like, I, I don't too. like. Is is it? Go ahead, bud. No, I was going to say that that's what I that's what I wonder about as well. Like if 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 the Remington group doesn't get the bid, does that make Ryan Reynolds essentially just to use sports language? Does that make him a free agent for other groups? I don't know the answer. Neither do I. And I don't like to make uh, bold pronouncements one way or the other because life changes. Things change. And you never know, like if another group gets the team, are we going to see a situation where um someone says, all right, maybe you aligned yourself with this, but we'll make you an, we'll, if you want to come join us, here's what you have to do to do it. Cause, cause like I could see the NHL pushing in that direction. Like I could see, mm-hmm. like I could see uh, Batman saying, try to find a way that this could work. It would only make sense. Um, okay, a couple of other things here. Uh, you write about Marty Walsh and the Players Association. Are we inching closer to an official announcement? It sounds like he's he's wooed a lot of people and impressed a lot of people in the PA. Yeah, that's true. Like it'll be like someone said to me, they thought it might be yesterday or today. I, I don't know, but we're we're getting there. Like I think this is going to happen. It's just a matter of when we get there. Uh, okay, a couple of more things here. Uh, oh, you know what I should have asked you earlier, too? Um, that Tampa-Arizona game was fascinating. And I know that the headline is going to be Connor Ingram, and it should be. 47 save performance. He was outstanding. But I don't want to downplay Brian Elliott, too. I thought that, you know, even though he didn't have to stop the volume of shots that Connor Ingram did, I thought Brian Elliott was excellent. Last night for Tampa. Tampa playing in the back-to-back. Clayton Keller with the shootout winner. Arizona wins one nothing. I don't know there's a question attached to this um, other than what did you make of Connor Ingram, who now becomes the third goaltender to record his first career NHL shutout against the team that drafted him. Darcy Wakaluk did it against mm. Buffalo. And Marcus Matson. Kelly Rudy will love mm. this one. Marcus Matson uh, did it against the... Islanders. Matson was in that. You remember this, Elliot? We're the same vintage. Marcus Matson was in that wave of European goaltenders that came over. Along was there was Yuri Sira in Toronto, and then there was Hardy yep. Astrom in Colorado. Yes. And Hardy Astrom became the first European goalie. goaltender. I uh, did not have a lot of time. Although Astrom was a good goalie, <laughs> he really was. Uh, Hardy Astrom becoming the first, the first not to grapes. Don had no time for him, but everybody else kind of looked around and said, "Man, the guy's kind of good here." Um, Hardy Astrom would be the the other one in that wave of goaltenders. Anyway, your thoughts on um, your thoughts on Connor Ingram last night? Well, I, I think that first of all, I was happy for him. I, I thought it was a hell of a performance. I mean, what were the shots like, forty-seven, nineteen, or something like that? Forty-seven twenty, um, I think. Yeah, yeah. It was. I mean, it, it was like that was a wild game to watch. As much of it as I as I could watch last night, you're looking at it and it seemed like the ice was tilted and he just wouldn't get beat. Uh, I've always uh, had a lot of rooting interest in Ingram, um, as, as you know that uh, when he was in Nashville, he was in the program uh, a couple of years ago, yes. um, and, and it was it was like obsessive compulsive disorder that was causing a lot of the things he had to deal with. So I've always kind of watched out for him and been a fan. That was an incredible performance last night. I mean, you know, we're all having this debate about 
what they're doing with Chikrin, and does it does it destroy competitive balance? And is it the wrong thing? And Arizona's got points in seven straight games, so it's kind of tough to make that argument when the team is doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, Twenty six saves, by the way, for Brian Elliott last night. I don't want that to get oh. lost in this. A great performance by Connor Ingram, but. I thought Brian Elliott was excellent last night. He was. Um, Speaking of excellent, how much of the Edmonton-Detroit game did you get to watch last night? And did you get a chance? Okay, so what did you think of Mo Sider on McDavid late in overtime? Like, what a textbook way to play McDavid. What a a great play by Sider. Well, I'll tell you this. I don't know if Sider's going to sign a long-term extension or he's going to have an arbitration hearing. But I have a feeling that's going to be the first video that his representatives played as Steve Eiserman. Um, <laughs> you know, like, it was it was yeah. it was perfect. It was it that was a great game last night, by the way. Like just entertaining, yeah. up and down uh, hockey. Um, I I was really I loved that game. But that I'm with you. That play, that was textbook. And if there's any doubt that Cider is a rock that you can build a blue line and a team around? I think it was erased on yeah. that that one play. You know, speaking of um, speaking of the Detroit blue line, Oli Mata signs a two year contract extension, yep. three million AAV. Uh, you know what I like about Mata? Mata's a survivor. How many times yep. have we looked at Mata and said, "Ooh, he's having a hard time out there. I don't know how much longer he is for the league," mm-hmm. and then he turns it around. Like, he's been dogged by a number of different types of injuries um, and setbacks, and he's endured. I, I think that – I think any sane sports person looks at someone like Oli Mata and says, I can't help but root for that guy because of everything that he's been through, and he endures, and and he perseveres, and I'm glad that he's rewarded by Detroit. Like, I know that they're – I know they have a lot of defensemen coming, and like the the, the yeah. pipeline is 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 getting full here, and there's some good ones that are on the horizon. But I'm just happy that there's there's still a home for a couple of more years for Olimata. Well, I agree with that. I think it's I think it's a good point. I mean, it's a contract that you know, if it ever came up, you could move if you wanted to, uh, because it's not difficult mm-hmm. to do. I, I'm I'm curious now, and I agree with everything you said about him. He, I mean, you'll remember what he went through at very early in his NHL career. So I, I'm 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 with you on this. I think like the one I'm interested now in is Wallman. You know he's he's had a really good year there, playing just under 20 minutes a yep. game. Um, he's kind of broken through and become the player that the Blues hoped when they drafted him. You know he's a UFA, and it's an interesting contract because it's taken him a while to get to this point. I'm very very curious to see what the Red Wings are thinking there. If I am, and again, uh, here we are talking about the left side of the uh, of the Detroit Red Wings, and there's you know plenty of players there and plenty of players on the horizon. They just re-upped with Oli Mata. I, I'm with you on Wallman this year. I think he's been one of the breakthrough guys. And sometimes sometimes it just takes players, like what we were talking about Mark Giordano yesterday, and he didn't become a full-timer in the NHL until he was... Like more, 25 or 26 until he became like a legitimate full-timer in the NHL. 
it feels like this has been the breakthrough year for Jake Wallman as well. Um, let me finish with this. I mentioned Kelly Rudy a couple of seconds ago with Marcus Matson, and Kelly and I used to talk about European goaltenders all the time at the old Hockey Night in Canada radio show. And this is right around you know the the time where the Carolina Hurricanes were winning their first Stanley Cup. And the goaltender yeah. in question was Cam Ward. Tonight, Cam Ward uh, goes into the Carolina Hurricanes Hall of Fame. There'll be a celebration um, uh, of his performances with the Hurricanes before the Montreal Canadiens game tonight. And I'll, I'll go back to that conversation that we had most recently a couple of days ago with Mark Giordano. So Giordano turns pro, and he plays with Lowell, the Lock Monsters, and that's during the lockout of 04, 05. And that's when the AHL is, like, flooded, flooded with guys that should be playing in the National League. And on that Lowell team, and they had split affiliation. It was Carolina and Calgary. And so half the prospects were from Calgary, half were from Carolina. But, you know, Eric Stahl's on that team. I mentioned Giordano, so he breaks in there. Mike Commodore would have been on that squad as well. Chad LaRose would have been on that team. And a very young Cam Ward. And this is why I think the American League is so valuable for players. Cam Ward played 50 or 55 games in the NHL lockout year in the American Hockey League with Lowell. The next year, he joins the NHL. Carolina Hurricanes win the Stanley Cup. I can't help but think to myself... What a great investment. Like, law of unintended consequences, right? He ends up playing a year in the American League, and to me, that set up his entire NHL career for each. Your thoughts on Cam Ward going into the Carolina Hall of Fame tonight? Well, was that the lockout year? That was. That was 0405. Yeah, so like, if you, if you remember, I, I remember Brian Murray uh, uh, talking about that year because the because the next year after that Spencer. was oh five oh six was when Ottawa like Ottawa you know they had a great regular season of course the season after that they were in the Stanley Cup final but he said the three best players in the AHL that year were were Cam Ward Jason Spezza and Eric Stahl and he talked yep. about how that helped win the Carolina Hurricanes a Stanley Cup was Ward in goal and and him and Stahl up front. And the other thing I remember about Cam Ward is, is if you remember the 2006 Stanley Cup playoffs, Cam Ward uh, didn't start the season, didn't start the playoffs as the starter in, in, in Carolina. That's right. And he got hurt. He got hurt on yeah. an, an accidental. Three? Yep. Yeah, and uh, and, and uh, he like the Canadians won the first game six one. They won the the second game six five in double overtime. And Ward came into that game, and then Ward went on the run, and he won four. They won four in a row, two in overtime to beat the Canadians, and they were on their way. So that's the thing. I, like if you really think about it. You know, when Washington won the Stanley Cup, don't forget, Braden Holtby started those playoffs as the backup to Grubauer, and Washington, and he, and then he got hot, and they won. And I always remember Ward, he didn't start the playoffs as the starter, but he won the Stanley Cup. And, you know, you look at this year, Jeff, how many teams do you think in the playoffs are going to maybe play two goalies? There'll be a few. Like we'll, I, I think that's we the might, whole thing we might is see more than ever. We might see more than ever. And mm-hmm. so I wonder how many of these guys are going to start as the two are going to be told about guys like 
Braden Holtby and Cam Ward. And, you know, it's interesting. Like, you and I were having this conversation last weekend. So last Saturday night, Dustin Brown gets the statue. Uh, Tomorrow night, it's Chris Kelly, right? Or is it tonight or is it tomorrow night? Or Chris Neal. Uh, Chris Neal. Chris Chris Neal. Chris Chris Neal. So Ottawa's doing it with Chris Neal, and now you've got Carolina doing it with Cam Ward. And, And people say, like, Oh, well, I mean, who are these guys getting statues or numbers retired? I think that is the stupidest argument ever. I think it's about the player's connection to their market, to the fans. And, like, for me, if the Kings want to honor Dustin Brown, a captain of two cups, put a statue up out of him. If the Sanders want to retire Chris Neal's number, if the Hurricanes want to honor Cam Ward, if the fans are okay with that, that's all that Amen. matters. That's all anyone should care about. Amen, brother. Uh, which is why the Detroit Red Wings should re-retire one of their famous numbers that somehow got unretired. But that's for yeah, that's for another conversation. Uh, in the meantime, you enjoy the rest of your afternoon, and uh, we'll check back tomorrow, my man. And we have a podcast coming up later on tonight that'll be released tomorrow morning. Uh, okay, you be good. Uh, great job on the blog. His latest, Elliot's on Thirty Two Thoughts, available at Sportsnet.ca. Thanks, Fridge. Oh, by the way, Jeff, I did want to mention, too, I think this Gavrikov stuff is heating up. And I'm wondering about Boston. I always think there could be more. I always think Boston could be looking at other guys. But I am wondering about this. You think we're close? I, would, we're I don't close want to say Gavrikov? close, but I, 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 like I'm, I'm getting the sense there's some heating up. Thanks for trying to like ruin my life. Okay. But I just get the sense it's heating up. That's all. <laughs> Okay, how about this? Is it closer than it was five minutes ago? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I really don't. I haven't tested anybody in five minutes. Okay, very good. Um, your release to Chase Gavrikov stories. Um, there he is, Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. The player that I was referring to, by the way, with the, uh, the Detroit Red Wings and about celebrating them, whether they're in the Hockey Hall of Fame or not, is Larry Ori. Uh, and a legendary story about how his number was retired, and then when Mike Illich bought the team, it was unretired, even though the number has been taken out of circulation and no one wears it for the Detroit Red Wings. It kind of exists in this nowhere land right now, and no one's really been able to give me anything resembling a satisfactory explanation why this happened or what the process of unretiring a number is. Because it seemed as if when Illich bought the Detroit Red Wings, for whatever reason, he didn't like or someone didn't like Larry Ori, and they took it out of circulation. And one of the things that I was told um, by someone in the Red Wings organization is they're only retiring numbers of players that make it into the Hall of Fame. Well, okay, but it's already been retired. What is the process of unretiring a number? I don't yet have an answer from the Wings and haven't heard an answer from the NHL. Larry Ori, by the way, was called Little Dempsey. That was his nickname because he resembled Jack Dempsey. He was one of, the way it's been described to me, because obviously I never saw him play, he was described to me as Gordie Howe before there was Gordie Howe. And he was, actually, interestingly enough, one of Gordie Howe's favorite players as well. Anyhow, that's why I mentioned tongue-in-cheek about, you know, honor the players that your fans and your local market loves, regardless of what the the greater NHL thinks about a certain player, i.e. Dustin Brown, i.e. Chris Neal, i.e. Cam Ward, 
It doesn't matter. You don't need to have the Hall of Fame magic wand waved over a player to have a statue or a number retired or a celebration. Your fans want it. Your organization wants it. Do it. And Detroit. Mm, let's do right by the Ori family, shall we? Let's hit a break. Colby Armstrong, Pittsburgh Penguins analyst, former NHL forward, um, sports and analyst as well, and whose son plays with the Junior Penguins, currently playing in the legendary Quebec Pee Wee Tournament. Yes, we're talking pin exchanges on the Merrick Show when we come back. Sportsnet Radio Network, simulcast on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet Now.